Good morning. Good morning. People said there wouldn't be anybody here today. There's more people here than there were in worship this morning. I think. <laughs> Made to Sunday school. And their billboard wasn't as good as uh, <laughs> Well, it's Labor Day weekend. It's in some people's calendar the official end of summer, right? They close up the pools and things like that and have to get ready for fall. Um, it's not yet the end of the series that will not end <laughs> on the hard sayings of Jesus. We are still in the midst of it. Um, we mentioned two weeks ago, uh, we started two weeks ago to talk about these hard sayings in the fifth chapter of Matthew about you've heard it said, but I say to you. We'd done one of those earlier when we were talking about love of enemy, and violence, and things like that, that come at the end of that list in Matthew 5, which is the beginning section of the Sermon on the Mount. But last time we, and then we had this intervening beautiful meal last week. That was fun. If you missed it, you missed a lot of good food. Um, have to catch it next year. Uh, so, uh, but I reminded you, try not to forget, we were trying to talk uh, two weeks ago about sort of the heart of the law, right? That Jesus was trying to recover the heart of the law and that the law was a good gift of God and that the challenge had always been, I mean, human beings have this, we have this interesting way of taking whatever good gift God gives us and turning it inside out, <laughs> turning it into something less than the gift that God has given us, which is never a commentary on the gift or the giver, it's a commentary on us. And so we were reminded of the Sabbath, right, which was a, a gift that was supposed to be liberating from the drudgery of work, which is what human beings experienced it as. Work itself was a good gift of God. Um, but it often becomes drudgery. And for a slave people, you know, when they receive the Ten Commandments after leaving bondage, this notion that God has given them this rhythm of rest was good news. It's a good thing to be reminded of on Labor Day. God didn't make us just to be, you know, little worker bees, right? Uh, God didn't just need uh, an army of... Uh, people who could do stuff. Um, and that's something to be reminded of in, in church as well, where we can be a really busy people, even about really, really good things, right? Um, that there's this rhythm. And, but the, the Jewish people over <laughs> centuries had turned the Sabbath gift into a new form of bondage, right? A new form of bondage. And so Jesus had come to renew the heart of the law, to help them re recall what the, what the law was for, what it was given for, how it was supposed to be life-giving. And we also touched briefly on the first of these, you've heard it said, but I say, which was about uh, murder, right? And, and Jesus goes back 
to recover the heart of the law by what looks like intensifying it, because he's trying to find out what's at the heart of this. And so he says, you've heard it said, you know, you shall not murder, but I say you shouldn't even be angry. Because he's, Jesus is mindful that in most situations, murder doesn't just spring out of nowhere. But it's this deep-seated anger. And that the law was designed to make us more human than we are. This is part of God's gift to us as God wants us to be, God created us as human beings. There's nothing wrong with our humanity. Um, God created us as human beings in the opening chapters of Genesis declares us good. We're good. We're not, it's not a mistake. Our humanity is beautiful. Uh, the fact that Jesus can be, God can come in human flesh reminds us that uh, being a human being is, is not a bad thing. It's a beautiful thing. The problem is so many of us uh, are willing to live subhuman lives and just settle for that. And, but Jesus is coming to redeem our humanity. And but to do that, he, it, he has to also recover, help us recover the heart of the law. And so we were, we were reminded that, you know, it's not, you know, we're not really um, living into our full humanity. If uh, I'm not living into my full humanity, if I just pride myself uh, that I haven't murdered anybody yet, right? I'm such a good person, right? My, 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 my photo's not in the post office. Uh, boy, I feel good, you know? And yet, you know, I walk around with this deep-seated anger that if, if, if you just scratch or just push just a little bit, you can tell it's there. You might even be able to tell it in my countenance or in my body language that I just carry anger. I mean, that's not my full humanity. It's not my full humanity. And so Jesus is trying to remind us that the law was intended to help us get some boundaries, um, some limits to help us see, but it wasn't the, the be-all and end-all. And so today we come to, to another uh, one of those, and then we're going to look at the passage in Matthew 5, then we're going to look at a couple of other passages that Jesus discusses the same topic. Um, and it's, it's a difficult one. It came up on a number of your cards. I don't, I don't remember. I think it was five or six of the cards. Um, um, was up there in the top five or six of ones that you all wanted to hear about. So um, I put it off until now because I really did hope there wouldn't be anybody here today. <laughs> um, so the, these are Jesus' sayings uh, on adultery and divorce which you can get in a lot of trouble talking about, which is probably why we don't talk about it very much in church. Um, but you can't read the Gospels and not bump into these passages from time to time. And so we have to talk about it. So let me just say a, a kind of pastoral word to begin with about what I'm saying and what I'm not trying to do today. Um, there's not a person here, myself included, that divorce hasn't touched in some way. It's not a one of us. I'm sure of it, right? Either yourself, your family, your friends, your own parents. I mean, it's just, and it's touched us multiple times, okay? 
nothing I'm trying to say today is trying to say anything particular to any of your situations. I don't know your situation. You don't know mine. And so we're just trying to see if we can understand anything about what Jesus was saying in his day, what he was trying to say, how the people of his day might have heard what he was saying and why Jesus felt he needed to say it. There would be a lot of other steps between that and how does that work out today? And that work still needs to be done, but it can't be done in 20 minutes. And I'm not sure, I mean, I'm not in a place to do it either. So I just want to be clear about that. I mean, there's no way to talk about this without all of us sort of, at least, I got saved by the train, even. <laughs> I hope it's a very, very long train. It's got 30 engines. Yeah, I know. Heaven sent train. So th these are difficult matters, and... Um, I'm just I'm, I'm begging your patience, I guess, and your grace that uh, take my word for it that I'm I'm not I'm I'm not directing any of this word to any one of you. Okay, so I had somebody in class the other day. I'm, I'm oversensitive. To this I, I had a student come. We're only two weeks into class. I had a student come to me in class after class two days later and said. You looked at me when you said this in class the other day. <laughs> he said, did you know uh, about the situation? And I said, no. He said, okay, I just want to be sure. Because he said, you looked at me. And he said, everybody else in the class knew about the situation. And they all looked at me after you did. <laughs> and so I thought you were like saying this to me. I, thought, I had no idea. I really didn't. I mean, I, I did not know. Okay, so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm a little edgy this morning <laughs> about this. So Maybe you ought to close your eyes. Yes, I mean I, I, I would, except I, I'd get dizzy. I think I <laughs> don't trust myself to close my eyes. Um, so that's that's a lot of preliminaries, um, but I do that because. I mean, this is, yeah, I'm stalling, somebody said. <laughs> yeah, I heard you, I heard you. <laughs> I am looking at you, now you're turning red. <laughs> Bill, if I take your question, I'm gonna get accused of stalling too. Go ahead. Uh, I'm a reader today. Yeah. I'll be leaving early, not because of something you said. Well, I hope. <laughs> If you could, uh, if you could t time your exit so that when I say something controversial, if you can just kind of stomp as, out as much as you can. You're not really a stomper, but if you could stomp out, that would be effective. Yeah. There, there's a speaker, and in, 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 uh, I go to church up in North Carolina sometimes. This guy was speaking, and he said, is there anybody perfect in here? And I said, no. He said, you know anybody perfect? I raised his hands. Yeah. My ex-wife said she was. <laughs> yeah. 
thank you for that. We, we may need comic relief at several points here because it's um, having Sunday morning comedy club would be more fun than dealing with these passages. So let's see if we can what we can do. So we're going to start at Matthew five, uh, which is where Jesus. Uh, this is the one that comes after the "You have heard it said, but I say," um, and this is going to start about verse twenty-seven. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into Gehenna. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into Gehenna. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of marital infidelity, causes her to commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. So there you have it. <laughs> and and just I'm not looking at anybody. Got my eyes closed. Yeah. Anything in the shower this morning? Somebody asked me about that, I, I, and I said I should have gotten up about three o'clock and started my shower this morning. <laughs> not sure it was, still would have been enough. So notice. A similar kind of a couple things comments on this and then we want to we want to try to use some other passages where Jesus talks about the same thing in other Gospels because believe it or not um, Jesus words in Matthew are softer than they are in Mark and Luke um, so if you thought this was hard um, it's hard but it's not as not as hard so notice in the same way that Jesus seems to sort of intensify by trying to go to the heart of the law, right? Um, just as it's not enough just not to murder your neighbor, right? But Jesus is trying to go to the heart of the matter and, and try to look at our humanity and says, you know, our humanity is not called to be just full of rage and anger, in the same way, Jesus says, you know, it's, it's, it's not enough just to keep the sort of letter of the law and to uh, remain married and not commit adultery, um, not to sleep with someone else's wife. Um, but at the heart of it is, you know, but if, you're, but if your heart, if my heart, if your heart is still full of, of lust, if you'd still uh, really like to be and, and fantasize about being with someone else, um, then that's, that's still not living into your humanity. Okay, that's still not living into your humanity. That's still not God's best for me and for you. Um, so that's what, and, and then Jesus says, you know, well, you've heard it said that Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate. But 
And, and this, this is a practice that we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about. It goes back to uh, Deuter Deuteronomy 24, the first four verses. Uh, Moses lays out the groundwork for a, a very particular situation. Um, the situation was, uh, what was happening was people were divorcing. Uh, to be clear, there's, there's no provision in the law. We have nowhere in the Old Testament where it says, this is how you divorce. It's not there. But in Deuteronomy 24, the assumption is, was that it was happening. And the question was, was there a way of doing it that actually protected the most vulnerable, which in that day, and in many ways in our day, were the w women. And what apparently was happening, and what, the, what the, the practice was intended to safeguard was, a man might divorce his wife, might marry another, and then might decide, they might divorce that wife and then come back and want to remarry the original wife. Um, and that, they were trying to disallow that. And so the idea was you, you, you it went in writing. <laughs> you should, this certificate of divorce went to your, your wife so that and it was clear that that meant, you, this was not just, you know, sort of a whim, like, I don't, I don't think I want to be married to you today, but you know, you know, next month I may change my mind, right? Um, no, I mean, so there's a certificate of divorce that said, if you divorce this woman, that, that you will not be married to her again as a protection for her. And so, so that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, you've heard it said that you could do this practice, but he's saying, he's saying, no, not even, not even interested in that, okay? Um, now, let's, let's try to be clear about why he might say that, and to see that, we want to look at, at the Mark passage. So if you want to look at Mark 10, this is at the beginning of Mark 10, verses 2 through 12. Because this very specific issue comes up when Jesus comes and is asked very explicitly about this practice in Mark 10. So Mark 10 verses 2, some Pharisees came and to test Jesus. So notice that they're trying to test him as the Pharisees often were. Tried to test him, ask, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Okay, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What's the law say? And so this is what Jesus is often being asked to do. They're asking him to interpret the law because they, they have their own disagreements. As we'll see, there's, there's several different schools, rabbinic schools, of how to interpret the law. The law doesn't interpret itself. Okay. We know that. We have lawyers in the house. Not looking at anybody. <laughs> looking down. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And notice what Jesus says. He answered them, what did Moses command you? So he, he knows the debate. But he says, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed. Notice he didn't say Moses commanded. Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of dismissal and to divorce her. But Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote this commandment for you. Because of your hardness of heart, 
he permitted this. Okay. That, that's why. Right? Moses didn't command. There's no, there's no command for divorce under certain situations. There was no command. The, the command was that you be allowed, that you actually, if you are divorced, that you give this certificate of dismissal. But Jesus said, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote it to you. But now he tries to go back to the heart of the law. But from the beginning of creation, so he goes back before Moses, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no one separate. You've heard those words probably a time or two. That's where they come from. Then in the house, the disciples ask him again about this matter. So notice he's, he's been talking to the Pharisees. He's been trying, you know, he's um, trying to work through this trap that they've set for him. And he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Now, a couple of things are really interesting about this. I mean, one, there's no provision anywhere in Jewish practice for a woman to divorce her husband. So the question is, what, why did Jesus mention that? And why does he mention it with his disciples, but not with the Pharisees? Well, because he knows of a famous and, and on everybody's mind situation going on in the society of their day where this, in fact, did happen. Okay. You, may, you may remember Herodias. Probably not. But you might have. If you hadn't been up late watching the, the Clemson game last night, you might have. You might remember. You're foggy. Um, you know, Herodias is uh, the great-granddaughter of Herod the Great. And uh, she's, she's the one who, who married her uncle, which was not against Jewish law, uh, but then divorced one uncle and married another uncle which was not according to Jewish law. She was Jewish, but she was also, because the Herods were a great line in the Roman hierarchy, she was also a Roman citizen. And a Roman, she, as a Roman citizen, she could do this, but she was also a Jew. And she's the one that John the Baptist accuses of having an unlawful marriage and loses his head over it. Okay? So she's the one who has divorced her husband and taken another. And John the Baptist calls her out, and you see what happened to him. And so when the Pharisees come and say, it, you know, this is part of the trap, right? Can we get some dirt on Jesus, and maybe we can, you know, see if he can get done in the same way John the Baptist did? So Jesus doesn't say anything about this to the Pharisees, but when he has the disciples aside, he does mention, you know, if if a woman divorces her husband, it's also adultery. Um, to be clear, we mentioned when we were talking about the eye for an eye, when Jesus says, you've heard it say, an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. But I say, right, 
you know, love your enemy. That we, it's hard for us to remember that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was revolutionary in Moses' day. Remember us talking about this, that actually that stopped the escalating violence. Because in the ancient world, you know, um, if I lost my eye, I'd make sure you lost your eye and your hand. Right? <laughs> I mean, and this happens. I mean, we sound like we're so sophisticated. I mean, you insult me, I'm going to insult you a little more. And then you're going to insult me a little more. And I'm going to insult you a little more. And after a while, it's really out of hand. Right? So it's not as though it's only the ancient peoples who, in responding to any kind of violence, whether it's verbal violence or physical violence, feel a kind of natural need to escalate. So the idea of an eye for an eye and a tooth, that limited violence, that was revolutionary. And what Jesus is trying to remind us of is that the marriage covenant was also intended to be revolutionary in a world where the most vulnerable, the most vulnerable women and children were designed to be protected by the marriage covenant. Right? Um, Jesus is really clear when he's talking to the Pharisee, when he says, it's the hardness of your heart for which this was written. He, he really means it's the hardness of men's hearts. Okay, men, you can be uncomfortable now. I'm looking at you. <laughs> And I'm, I'm one of you, right? Because if we, if, we, if we flip over to Matthew 19, this is the last one we're going to look at, fortunately. Um, Matthew 19. This is another variation of the same encounter or a different encounter where the Pharisees come to Jesus and ask him, is it lawful? This is verse 3 of chapter 19 of Matthew. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? For any cause. And then Jesus answers sort of the same way. Have you not read? In the beginning, he created man and woman, male and female, leave it. So he says the same kinds of things. And then they get in the argument about the certificate of dismissal again. But again, notice that they say, is it lawful? Is it lawful for a man to divorce a wife for any cause, because the debates back then, there were, again, primarily two schools. There was one very strict school that said the only reason you could divorce your wife, and this goes back to the Deuteronomy passage, was if there was, quote, I mean, one translation of the Hebrew is some indecency in her. And again, the, the law doesn't, the law doesn't define itself, doesn't interpret itself. So the, so for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the, the rabbinic scholars, the Jewish scholars, were trying to discern, what does that mean? She has some indecency in her. And so there were a couple of schools of thought. One school of thought was, it was very strict. So the only thing that can possibly mean is that she was betrothed to you as a virgin, and then you discover that she's not. Okay. Um, the other school was a lot looser. And 
And again, they weren't trying to make divorce lax, but they just thought this was what the text meant. And so it got to be, you know, it could be just about anything. Uh, it could be, um, you're a pretty wretched cook. Again, I'm not looking at anybody. It could be, um, you know, you're, you're not, you're not as uh, lovely looking as you used to be. It could be, uh, which is going to, you know, right? I mean, it, it just got, um, it could be anything. Um, but notice it was, I mean, no one ever, it was not grounds to divorce if the husband was found to have been unfaithful before marriage. It was only if the woman had been. It's not, there's not, there's not any questions about whether, I mean, the woman doesn't have anything to say, well, you know, I might be a bad cook, but, you know, he's pretty wretched, you know, this, taking out the garbage, right? Um, it's always, I mean, it's always from the man's point of view. And so, we often, you know, we read these passages and it's hard for us not to kind of internalize all our own issues. But again, what Jesus is saying here is quite revolutionary because the Jews, the Jewish men of his day had come to expect, in most cases, at least according to some schools of thought, that divorce was pretty easy, but it left women and children, particularly in that day, incredibly vulnerable. And so, the reason, I feel quite sure, I mean, the reason Jesus is having no part of divorce is precisely because Jesus is, you know, unequivocally and faithfully the champion of the vulnerable. And this is a very specific case of the vulnerable. It's, it's not without... It's not by chance that in each of these passages, if we go on to read one of the next stories is Jesus calling the children to him. Right? And having to rebuke the disciples because they want to send the children away. <laughs> and so, this I think is important to try to get our heads around. That the institution, which is God-ordained of marriage, is designed to be a hedge of protection for those in the marital covenant. Now, it can be turned inside out, just like the Sabbath can be turned inside out. Right? I'll give you an example. It's always dangerous to give examples. Um, I have a dear friend who's, she was married for many years uh, to a man who considered himself to be a pastor. So she was a pastor's wife for many years. And again, I'm not privy to everything in the situation, so, so it's always hard to say anything, but my understanding of the situation, limited though it is, is that over time, uh, they have one child, over time, uh, this pastor used what he knew was her commitment to Christian marriage, that she was not going to give up on that marriage because she read scripture, she knew. He used that commitment to, to know that he had free reign to abuse her and her son because she would not leave. 
So he had incredible power over her. Right? Do you see how that just turns what marriage is about on his head? I mean, absolutely turns it inside out. That the very thing that was supposed to protect her now was an instrument of her abuse. Now, she eventually divorced him. But she carries enormous guilt for that. Because she knows this, right? I mean, she knows that she feels like an utter failure. Right? Um, there's no doubt that divorce is tragic. It leaves wounds everywhere. I don't think there's any such thing as a divorce that doesn't leave somebody or many people wounded. It just does. And I don't have the wisdom of Solomon to discern whether, in fact, in some cases, divorce is less destructive than the marriage. But in my limited vision, I've seen enough examples where it, that at least seems plausible, right? Um, does that make it God's original desire? No. Does that make it God's greatest good? No, it doesn't. Um, but there's, I mean, there's hardness of heart. <laughs> um, and in this time of journeying where God is trying to soften our hearts, there will, there will be pain. You know, there will be choices that are made that are always that will always fall short of God's ultimate desire for us. Um, there is grace. There is grace. All of us in this room know people who have been divorced and remarried, and they have beautiful marriages. Right? Uh, I have someone dear to me in my life who is on his fourth marriage. Right? Um, and he is mortified by that. I mean, he's embarrassed by that. Um, but he's been married for 15 years or so. It, it's a beautiful marriage. I don't, I mean, am I to say that what, I, what looks like grace in that is not really grace? I mean, I don't, I don't know how to say that. Right? I really don't know how to say that. Um, it seems cruel to say that. that. Now, was that God's best? No, I don't think that's God's best. But I don't live into God's best every day. I'm not going to stand in judgment of this dear friend of mine uh, because he hasn't lived into God's best in this one area of his life. Um, so there, it, there is grace here. right? There is grace here. The fact that... Um, Moses made this provision because of the hardness of their hearts uh, was an act of grace. Was an act of grace. Jesus is, is talking to his disciples saying, you know, you are called to live into this new way that bears witness to God's original desire. Now, no doubt we're still going to fail at that. We are. But we shouldn't fail at it by by making it easy on ourselves, right? 
We shouldn't fail at it by making it easy on ourselves. We should at least know what God's desire for us is, what God's best is for us. Um, and we should, we should be honest about that. This, this is what God's best is. And this is why God created the institution of marriage. It was for our good and for the good of those who are most vulnerable. And it's true that in our day, women and children may, you could make an argument that women and children may not be as a whole quite as vulnerable as they were in Jesus' time, but they are still plenty vulnerable. Right? Uh, in a world where women, even in our, our society, where women are, have more freedom than they, Jesus could have imagined in his day, uh, women still don't make what men make. Right? Um, in most cases. And so, I mean, there's still a kind of vulnerability there. Um, children are still incredibly vulnerable. Uh, they, are the, they are the ones, right, who are often most wounded in divorce. And these are hard things. And so we just want to say this morning that, you know, J Jesus has hard things to say here. But lest, lest we think he is insensitive or that he's tone deaf to the realities of our humanity, try, try to recall who Jesus is talking to. Right? Um, he seems unyielding, but he's talking to an audience who, in many cases, have made divorce too easy. And in doing so, have not recognized the, the damage they have left in the wake of it. And Jesus is champion, championing women and children here. And I think that's, that's the heart of his unyieldingness. He's not just saying, you know, I can't imagine why anyone would be. No, it's not, I don't think he's saying that. I think he's trying to say, you know, God's desire for human marriage was for protection, among other things, for protection of the vulnerable. And we need to be careful, even as Christians, that we don't turn it into something else. We don't turn it into a, a shadow of that. So these, these are hard matters, and certainly in one little lesson, uh, we can't touch all the, the issues and particulars. Jesus is not talking about anything particular here. He's not looking at someone's marriage and saying, here's what you have to do. But he's, he's trying to call us, just like he's calling those who, who think um, those who think that they haven't <coughs> murdered anybody are righteous by ignoring their anger. He's trying to say, you know, what's the heart of the law here? The heart of the law is What's my marriage about? Um, so it's, it's not enough for me. It's not enough for me uh, to, be, to be married for 33 years, which is, for a lot of you, it's like, I'm just beginning. <laughs> right? It's not enough if, if that marriage doesn't really protect the people that that marriage is called to protect. Let's pray.
Gracious God, you know our hearts. And you know how easily I can be hard-hearted. Perhaps how easily all of us can be hard-hearted in certain situations. And too often the, the weak and vulnerable among us bear the brunt of our hard-heartedness. And so we would pray that your spirit would continue to work in our lives, softening our hearts. Not that you might love us more, but that we might live more fully in our, into our humanity. That we might, in some small way, continue to bear witness to this new reign of God, this new kingdom, this new thing that you're doing. And that we, in some small way, might radiate something of Jesus' humanity in our daily lives. We give you thanks for the grace that you have extended to us. We give you thanks for uh, the faithful relationships that you have cultivated here in this place. And we give you thanks for the ways that you have worked even in the midst of pain and deep anguish. And we pray that you would continue to give us confidence in your love and your grace. We pray this through Christ. Amen. Amen.